Welcome to the Hello Someday podcast, the podcast for busy women who are ready to drink less and live more. I'm Casey McGuire-Davidson, ex-red wine girl turned life coach, helping women create lives they love without alcohol. But it wasn't that long ago that I was anxious, overwhelmed, and drinking a bottle of wine a night to unwind. I thought that wine was the glue holding my life together, helping me cope with my kids, my stressful job, and my busy life. I didn't realize that my love affair with drinking was making me more anxious and less able to manage my responsibilities. In this podcast, my goal is to teach you the tried and true secrets of creating and living a life you don't want to escape from. Each week, I'll bring you tools, lessons, and conversations to help you drink less and live more. I'll teach you how to navigate our drinking-obsessed culture without a buzz, how to sit with your emotions when you're lonely or angry, frustrated or overwhelmed, how to self-soothe without a drink, and how to turn the decision to stop drinking from your worst-case scenario to the best decision of your life. I am so glad you're here. Now let's get started. Hey there. I've got some big news for you that I have been not so patiently waiting to tell you about. After six months away, my super popular completely free masterclass is back and it's better than ever. I've been working on it for months. So if you have been struggling to get sober momentum, please go to hellosomedaycoaching.com forward slash class. You can sign up for my free training, Five Secrets to Taking a Break from Drinking, even if you've tried and failed in the past. In this 60-minute masterclass, I am going to share with you all the things you need to stop doing because they're setting you up for self-sabotage and what you need to start doing instead. I am giving you the steps and the mindset shifts that I go through every day with my private coaching clients, and it is completely free. So if you are sober curious, if you've been thinking about taking a break from alcohol, this class is going to set you up for success. I promise you it is worth your time. So hit pause on this episode, go to hellosomedaycoaching.com forward slash class and save your seat. Hi there. Today we are talking about sober mom life and I'm really excited to introduce you to my guest. Suzanne Wereye is a mom, a style influencer at My Kind of Sweet and is now sharing her sobriety at the sober mom life. She has a podcast and a really popular Instagram account and Suzanne stopped drinking just before she turned 40 just like I did. Suzanne has three kids who are now eight, five, and three years old. And I wanted to have her on the show because Suzanne knows the behind the scenes of influencing, what goes into building mom wine culture and the big brands capitalizing on this audience that they know trust them implicitly. On this episode, we're going to talk about drinking as a mom and quitting drinking as a mom, but also about why moms drink and the truth about how hard it is to mother small kids and the line we're sold about how we should get through it. So Suzanne, welcome. I'm so glad you're here. Thank you, Casey. It's so good to be here. 
I know we met, you know, just through being sober moms out there in the world and through the world of podcasting. And I have to say, I now follow you on Instagram at both my kind of sweet and the sober mom life. And I love it. It's so fun and interesting. Thank you. I know. I feel like we connect on podcasts like every couple of months. You were on mine. Now I'm on yours. Let's just talk on podcasts forever. That's how we get to That's awesome. Yeah. Well, then we know it definitely gets in our schedules, right? Yeah, exactly. We have to schedule these conversations. That's good, though. Yeah, definitely. Well, so tell me a little bit about you. I mean, I gave a quick intro, but you quit drinking three years ago. And what's what's your life like now as a sober mom? Oh man, what is my my life is crazy. It's I, I know probably all moms can relate. I have three kids, eight, five, and three, and so it's it's a lot of it's a lot of needing. And I think the idea of like when we stop drinking or when we get sober as moms that it's and I am guilty of this on my Instagram. I I share about how alcohol makes motherhood harder. What I don't say is motherhood is hard. Anyway, like even after we stop drinking, the struggle is there of motherhood. Like the so yeah, it's a it's a struggle. I'm saying this especially now as I sit today because I'm feeling this like craziness of the holidays and the schedule is hectic and I'm just feeling pulled in every direction. So today my life is crazy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I hear you. And um, you know, it's interesting, right? Because I think so many of us I was always a drinker, but definitely once I had my son, the other things I used to do to have fun and fill up my time kind of fell away. So before Mm -hmm. I had my son, you know, I worked, I always loved drinking. It was always part of my life, but I also took weekly guitar lessons and I also did Pilates and I also trained for triathlons. And a bunch of other things. And once I had my son, you know, especially your first, especially early motherhood, it literally shifted from this really full life where I was very independent to go to work, be stressed out, right? Because you have all the same things to do, but you have to now leave at 530 because daycare closes at six. So Mm -hmm. you're rushing to get your kid, you're rushing to get them home, you, they need you, you do all the things. And you know, the only thing to some extent you have to reward yourself, at least in my life felt like wine, I no longer had guitar and Pilates and, you know, all these other things. Yeah. And the thing, the thing about especially the first kid, and and I feel like when I talk about moms and two moms, I'm talking to the mom who just had a baby three months ago, or two months ago, or eight months ago or a year ago and is still trying to figure out how to fit herself back into this life of motherhood because she's still there and she still matters. And like, that's what I really struggled with in early motherhood. I was, I was thick in postpartum anxiety and OCD. And so I thought I was not only going crazy, but I was like, where did I go? Like, how do I matter anymore? Or am I just like this milk machine and this, you know, am I just this warm body? Yeah, which is why then I started my kind of suite. I I needed, I I needed something that felt like me again. Um, yeah, so so I started that and and that did help. So if if you're a new mom and you're struggling in new motherhood, 
Yeah. First, it gets better. It just does. Like time really does help. But just allowing yourself to be important, I think, is really important. Yeah, I completely agree. And I mean, I think just admitting that it is hard helps and and not admitting it necessarily you know, just when you have a bunch of wine and are bitching about yeah. your husband yeah. or what's happening to your body or whatever, but like admitting it to other people and asking for help and support that you need because, yes. you know, everybody's like, oh my God, it's such a magical time. And, you know, my kids are oh. eight and 14 now. And I do look at those adorable little kids and are like, oh my God, that's amazing. I also yeah. am like, I would not want to go back for anything. Right now. Yeah. Like they have babies and puppies like have to be adorable. That's just right? the, like <laughs> if they weren't adorable, we'd have a problem because they have to be adorable because they're pains in the asses a lot of the times. Yeah. Like they're just, it's just so much. It's and humbling. I, and they're like, oh God. Always, like, what have you done for me lately? Like they're screaming at you and you're like, Oh my God, I have nothing but prioritize you for 17 days. And yes. Yes. Yeah. You you always feel like you, you're failing. I, yeah. I think I did, especially in new motherhood. Like I always felt like I was failing. And it it's easy then to turn to, to wine if if that's what you were doing before. I mean, my story in, in motherhood and drinking is a little bit different because I went through the party girl phase and I loved it. Like in my 20s, I just I I loved being a party girl. It was so much fun. I wasn't I wasn't ever like super out of control, but I blacked out and stuff. And so then I as I got married and then settled down, like I I couldn't I couldn't figure out how that went with motherhood and how that fit into motherhood. It was I I I did find myself when I was starting to get out of the newborn haze, like I would turn to wine, I would have champagne lunches with my girlfriend, you know, I, I remember like one specific instance where I was trying to feel like myself again. And I was trying to be like, okay, well, when it was just me, I remember what I did. So I, I would go out with girls and drink a lot of champagne and we would talk and we would yeah. connect, you know, and I had this new mom friend and I was like, well, let's do that because that's obviously the fast track to connection, right? Like, let's just get drunk and like talk about our lives before we were moms and before we were, you know, let's talk about who we really are. Yeah. And that didn't go so well. Like, really? Yeah. I mean, oh, God. Yeah. Like, I quickly, I quickly realized like, oh, that's not going to happen with motherhood. So then what am, what do I do? Who am I? Like yeah. I had to figure out this whole new thing, which I'm kind of still figuring out. I mean, it's a process to figure out who we are in motherhood and yeah. especially without alcohol. Well, I think it's interesting that you started off and I'm really glad you said it this way was you post a lot about how drinking makes motherhood harder. And that mm -hmm. is completely true. And I tell women this, I mean, I quit drinking when my daughter was two, my son was eight. So I basically drank all the way through my son's life. You know, I took a year off when he was five, when I was trying to stop drinking and mm -hmm. through the first two years of my daughter's life. So, you know, waking up with a kid screaming in the middle of the night, when you've been drinking incredibly hard, um, dealing with little kids when they get up so early with a brutal hangover, really Ugh. hard 
you know, it's difficult. It makes life harder when the minute the kids go to bed, you start drinking, which is what I did on the couch, but you lose so much time and you get such poor sleep. So yes, drinking makes motherhood harder. But the challenge is that, like you said, motherhood is just hard. Yeah. And what else do you do? Like, what are the other coping mechanisms that you use to get through it in a life that is so busy with such limited help and resources that, you know, everybody's kind of stretched pretty thin. Like once you stop drinking when your yeah. kids were really little. So how yeah, did so you my, do that? Well, it, it's, it's interesting to look back at my story because I, I, you know, I, I did drink a lot in my twenties and I had that decade of partying and over indulging and, and drinking a lot. And then while I would say that I didn't drink a lot then after having kids, I, I still drank and I was still, I, I don't even think I realized how much I was using it to numb and cope until I stopped. And so you just, you just don't realize that you don't realize the tools you don't have until you need them. And you're like, holy shit, what? Oh, wow. So I was drinking wine at night, even if it was one or two glasses. What does that look like now? What am I doing now? Oh, wow. I'm feeling all of these things that feel really scary and new mm-hmm. because I, I've never allowed myself to feel them. Um, I, you know, when I stopped drinking in January 2020, a couple months later, the world shut down. And I was going to say, so right at the beginning it of the was, pandemic. Yes. And like, I, I look back now and I'm like, wow, would I have stopped drinking had I known what lie ahead and what was going to happen? Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. And I'm glad I didn't know. Yeah. I'm glad I did not know what was going to happen. I also lost my dad pretty tragically uh, just over a year after my sobriety. And so I, I've had to, I've had to figure this out. I've had to fumble my way through and find how, how I can cope and what I can do. Because once I learned that alcohol wasn't actually allowing me to cope with things, it was allowing me not to cope with them. And it was tricking me into thinking, no, this is good. You know, this is okay. This is helping me unwind. That that was just a lie. Once I knew that, I knew I couldn't go back because I knew that I had I wanted something different and I didn't want to do that again. And so, yeah, I I'm still learning. You know, almost three years in, I'm I'm still learning the tools that I need to cope with the just life. Yeah. I, and I also have been thinking a lot that like. <sighs> It's just not supposed to be easy. And I just don't think that if it feels hard, that's not a signal to me that I'm doing it wrong. Yeah. 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 And so like that, I've been thinking about that a lot lately because I also just, so I I forgot to mention that when I was struggling with postpartum anxiety, I, I did get on Zoloft and I was on it for years and through two more babies, breastfeeding, like completely healthy. Um, you know, so I strongly urge anyone to, if, if you need help, if you're struggling with postpartum anxiety, OCD, talk to your doctor. One thing mother has, motherhood has taught me more than anything is that our babies need us to be okay. Yeah. Like 
they need us to be okay. That is number one. And so, yeah, so I recently just stopped taking my anxiety medication. Mm -hmm. And so I took it for eight years and now I don't have it anymore because, and, and I'm, I'm going to say something, I'm going to say, I I don't need it. Um, but that doesn't mean I don't still have some anxiety sometimes. Yeah. And that doesn't mean that I didn't just have a panic attack like two days ago, but I like, I don't know. I treat it as a signal to me about, okay, what's going on? What do I need to slow down? What's causing this? What am I, what do I need to work out? I, I turn a lot to exercise. Um, exercise has helped my anxiety so much. It feels like without it inside my body, I can just feel myself like churning yeah. and all of these thoughts and nowhere to go. And then when I run, I'm a big runner. Um, it just kind of settles everything and it dissipates and helps me. Um, yoga has also been huge. I think yoga has helped me to be uncomfortable and to just learn that I can be uncomfortable. Yeah. And like I, that it's, I will survive being uncomfortable. Oh my gosh. Can we talk about perimenopause, menopause, and postmenopause for a minute? I am 48, so if you're going through it, I'm right there with you. I mean, hot flashes and night sweats, racing thoughts, the low moods, the poor sleep, it is not cool. And that's why I was really excited to find a supplement called Hormone Harmony by Happy Mammoth. It contains science-backed herbal extracts called adaptogens. They help the body adapt to any stressors like those super fun hormonal changes. It helps reduce menopause symptoms head on. And if you're interested in trying it, you can use the code HELLO for 15% off your first order. Women cannot stop raving about it on social media, but the biggest benefit is the simplest, feeling like yourself again. So if you're going through this, like I'm going through this, for a limited time, you can get 15% off your first order at happymammoth.com with promo code HELLO. That's happy, M-A-M-M-O-T-H.com. And use promo code HELLO for 15% off your first order. Yeah, that's interesting. Um, I mean, I think you're definitely right because I loved what you said about, you know, once you realized that wine or drinking wasn't helping you cope with life, it was helping you not cope with life. Like that to me says it really, really well. And I didn't realize that for a very long time. Like I literally thought that wine was the glue holding it all together, or at least holding me together Mm -hmm. um, and helping me cope. Meaning like, oh my God, I've got my boss, my husband, my kids. This is what, when I come home, helps me both relax and keep going. Like in this weird, you know, this carrot that's keeping me like moving. And yet, when you said it was helping you not cope with life, that's the state you're in, right? You're in the state of never, like you're just stuck. You're just like, for me, I was barely getting through every day. 
I was mm-hmm. barely getting through every work day, everything on my list, picking up my kids, getting home, dinner, you know, not sleeping well. So, you know, and everything felt overwhelming. But you're, you know, you mentioned running in yoga. I mean, I, in the same way, like when I stopped drinking, I know that I needed to change things and lower the bar in terms of what I did with my kids, what, how much I put on my plate, what I did for dinner. I was more tired. I needed more alone time, especially in the beginning. I needed therapy. So, Mm -hmm. you know, I got on anti-anxiety meds because I was sort of self-medicating for that. But then I also started going to weekly therapy. And, you know, so you actually do need to renegotiate sort of the agreement or the status quo that you might have with your partner and with your kids. You know, I need a lot more babysitters when I stopped drinking. Yeah. It's so funny because most of us have been drinking since we were, I've been drinking since I'm 16, 17. And so I, I had no idea who I was without this big crutch and without this big, huge barrier to growth and yeah. to to myself. And so like I, I, I had to relearn all that and it's such a slow process. Like it's not – it's not going to happen overnight, but I had to really, it's like I wasn't fluent in my intuition and in my gut. I wasn't fluent in Suzanne because like that was just, I I had been numbing and kind of not listening to myself for so long. I think that when we are drinking, I know for me, even if I would have had like two drinks, I just would not trust myself and what I was thinking and what I was feeling because I would blame the alcohol. And so even if I did have this gut feeling or this intuition of something I wanted to do or something that I needed, I would discount it and and blame the alcohol. It's like, well, that's probably, you know, I'm not in my right mind right now. So when really that could have been myself being like, no, this is what you want. This is what yeah. you need. Um, but I was so quick to discount myself and my feelings and my emotions and just blame the alcohol that now that just taking alcohol out of the equation, now I can hear my intuition and I can feel it. I don't always know what it means, yeah. but I'm figuring it out. And and it's, it's, it's becoming more and more clear. You know, none of this would we know until we move alcohol, like until we remove alcohol. I didn't know this on January 20th, yeah. 2020, like on day one. I wasn't like, cool. So here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to get in touch with my intuition and I'm going to, you know, I'm going to get more coping tools and it's going to be great. And alcohol, I didn't know any of that. I I knew nothing. I only knew that I didn't want to feel like shit and laying on my couch with my world going on around me. Mm. Like it was my last bad hangover. I wasn't, it wasn't around my kids, although I did end up because my baby was three months. And so I ended up nursing him in the night and not remembering. Mm -hmm. And that I was like, dude, like, ah, that's a rough thing that I would have never, I just would have, that wasn't me. Yeah. That was the alcohol. Um, And so when I decided that I was going to stop drinking, I just told my husband I'm done. But I didn't know what the hell any of it meant. 
So you had dust on the couch with a hangover with a three month old that you had nursed the night before and didn't remember it. And you just told your husband, I'm done. Was that like the first time that it's probably not the first time you worried about it, but was it the first time you told him that? I think it was the first time I allowed myself to worry about it. Mm. Because I, I, I think that any other time it came up as a as a like, ooh. I mean, it was definitely not my first bad hangover. Yeah. But, you know, th- that I would seek out things that would normalize that. It's like I would ask my friends, like, are you feeling like shit? Oh, my God. Yeah. Oh, good. Okay. Nothing to see. Yeah. Nothing to see moving. here. Move along. Yeah. Like, okay. I, that's just something I wasn't willing to look at because looking at my drinking m- meant that I, to me, and what I thought, I thought that meant that I was destined for a life of struggle and a life spent declaring myself powerless to alcohol. And I didn't feel, I, I thought that I would be thinking about alcohol a lot more if I were to quit than if I were to keep drinking because I wasn't drinking every day. I wasn't yeah. thinking about alcohol every day. I wasn't hiding it. Um, and now, you know, it's very ironic because I do think about alcohol a lot more now because I created a sober podcast. Yes. <laughs> but had I not, I, I just thought it was a prison. Yeah. And and so I wasn't willing to, I was never willing to even, I didn't know it was an option. Yeah. And so when I said, I told my husband I'm done and he was like, okay, you know, like, and I was like, no, I really knew inside I was done. I just had no idea what that meant. And I was Did terrified. you get any support? Like, where did you sort of get any tips or tricks or how to think about it? Did you follow podcasts yeah. or people? Yes. Or- well, so right then, I remember like, because I spent the whole day on the couch and the house was a mess. It was like, it, the scene, it just struck me how much it needed a mom and that the mom was missing from the situation. And like, I needed, I needed to show up. So then I got up, I started cleaning and I, I put in my AirPods because I'm a huge podcast listener. And I was like, you know, let, let me just see. Let me see if there's anything out there. And that's when I found like sober podcasts and Quitlet. Mm-hmm. And literally from that day for months, obviously months then into pandemic and the pandemic response and the lockdowns, I was, I had one AirPod in. Yeah. And then I was playing with my kids and doing all the mom stuff and laundry and stuff. And I was learning and discovering and uncovering the truth about alcohol. And it started with this naked mind. And it was like a, it was like an osmosis process. Even if I wasn't completely paying attention, I had it constantly going in my, in my ear. And it I got mean, to I a think point where so I was- many women listening to this are doing the exact same thing. And, and when I, I did the same thing, um, I mean, it was almost seven years ago now, but I felt like I was almost reverse brainwashing myself, which yes. is how, or, or like exactly conditioning myself. I was like trying to replace all those ingrained beliefs and I had about the value of alcohol and all the fears I had about how much it would suck not drinking and replacing them with new beliefs that yes. would help me. I mean, I, I used to, so when I quit, my daughter was 22 months old and I used to rush her off to bed as quickly as humanly possible. You know, if she cried, oh, she needs to figure out how to, how to fall asleep yeah. on her own yeah. to 
I would rock her to sleep every single night when I was in early sobriety because it was a safe place for me, mm. you know, as opposed to downstairs when I would typically drink. Yeah. And honestly, I wasn't drinking, so I didn't fucking have anything else to do. Yeah, <laughs> right. I, exactly. You're like, I got time. I'll yeah. rock you. So I would yeah. like put in my earbuds in her dark room with her sound machine on and I would listen to either sober podcasts or quit lip books, yes. you know, just listening and learning and absorbing and yeah. it helped so much. It changed everything for me. I mean, I it changed everything. It it opened my eyes to what alcohol is and how it's tricked us and and all of that. I I think in the back of my mind even until recently I've discounted I'm like, well, yeah, I stopped drinking, but it was, you know, I didn't do it. Like, I didn't go to AA. I didn't want to go to AA. Like, I didn't, I didn't go to meetings. Like, am I really sober? Am I really doing this? And someone was like, those were your meetings. Like, that was, that was the way that you did it. And I'm like, that's so true. Cause this is, this is a path to sobriety now. Yeah. It's like, it's, we're busy moms. We're stay at home moms. We have babies who need us all day long. Who can go to a meeting? Who wants to I, – I get some flack for for bashing AA, and I don't bash AA. If, if it's good for somebody and if they like it, that's great. Like, yeah. do that. Um, I'm, I just want to offer something else where it's not – you just don't have to wait until yeah. AA is there to catch you. Like, there's so many places to opinion, land before like, AA. Yeah. Like in my opinion, it's also, so I did try AA the first time I stopped drinking and it just was not my jam. Like met the yeah. nicest people 10 years ago when I first tried to stop, there really was not much else out there. Like right. almost nothing. Yeah. And so I went, it wasn't my jam, but the second time I stopped drinking seven years ago, I really did it through um, a sober coach podcast, Quitlet, Facebook groups, and an online program. Like literally, yes, it was this hodgepodge. But the reason that worked for me was, you know, who can go? I was like barely getting twenty minutes between work, daycare, pickup, home, bath, bed. Like totally, all those things I could access during my day. You listen to stuff when you're working out. You listen to your stuff when you go to a a get a latte midday. You listen yeah. to stuff in the car when the kids aren't there. Like, and when I rocked my daughter to sleep, who has time to drive to a meeting, sit there for 60 minutes, drive home? Yeah. And also part of me is like, it's just like a different approach or belief system. It's like, okay, I'm not religious, so I should definitely not say this, which why am I saying this? But like <laughs> Protestant versus Episcopalian, yes. versus, you know, Catholic. Yeah. Like, it's yeah, it's all the same God. Yeah. Or maybe it's not, but you know what I mean? Like it's just <laughs> right. There's, you're not gonna sit there and be like, oh my God, if you're not Protestant, you suck. And you're not really yeah. a Christian. You know what it's, I mean? Like, it, well, I quit drinking. So clearly, you know. I know you didn't, it, you didn't do it this right way. So you're Oh God. Cool, you know, dude, TikTok is the worst at this. Instagram is pretty like pretty except TikTok. And and it is 99% of the time, it's a white man who's going to tell me, oh, you better wait. You're going to be drinking. You think you've got this figured out? You're going to be drinking. I'm like, who? why would you even... First of all, thank you for telling me so much about myself. I'm. What's your name? Um, I can't believe I, judgy white men are on TikTok. Yeah, right? Can <laughs> I you thought believe? they were all on Twitter. 
Yeah, I know. Exactly. No, they're everywhere. You got to watch out. You got to watch out for <laughs> the patriarchy. Yes. I and, think and very it, few men listen to this. So it's. <laughs> I know. I, I always bash. I'm sorry for the little white man I'm bashing. Sorry oh, if, I, if, I, if I, if I hurt your, if a- I hurt your precious feelings. Um, but yeah, and it's just whatever I, I think determining your path in sobriety is the first step in listening to yourself and what you need. Yeah. And it's like, if this doesn't feel good to you, if, if AA doesn't feel good, that's not the only, that's not the only option. And it doesn't, I, for me, the idea of AA kept me drinking because I was like, well, I'm not that. That's so and so. I, yeah. Obviously, if I'm not that, I'm fine. Yeah. And it, the fact is that alcohol still remained a highly addictive, really dangerous toxin. And so it didn't matter if I would go to A or not. That was still going to be the truth. Yeah. And so, yeah, I just I just found my path. And that's what I, I, I think the podcast and the Quitlet were like essential for me to, like you said, like unbrainwash myself and to like really uncover the truth. And then the part that I was missing was the connection. I started the Sober Mom Life um, Instagram account and that did help. Um, it helped me connect with other people online and just say, okay, I'm doing this. Like, I don't know what it means, but here I am, I'm showing up. And then that slowly then I got connected to an online support, which is, I I mean, they're, they're some of my best friends and I've never met them. They know everything about me and I've never met them, but I feel so connected and so close to them. Yeah. I found that too. I was on a secret online private Facebook group that yes. I've got a guide on my site. It's called the BFB. If you want to know the one that I've been a member of and that I absolutely yeah. love, but it's, it's my favorite place on the internet and you have no idea how much you need it yes. until you tap into it, until you tap yes. into like other people who get it. Because even my best friend from high school, like she just she loved me and she supported me, but she had no idea right. what, what was going on. Yeah, there's nothing more powerful than you saying something that feels so shameful and you're just really putting yourself out there and then hearing, oh my God, I did that too. I or, know. oh my God, I feel the same way. Like there is nothing more powerful to, to, than hearing that you're not alone in this in this shameful thing that you thought you were the only one who did, which I promise you you're not. And that's so, what uh, I have. Before so- we started recording, yeah. we had a conversation about what we hear more than anything, which I'm sure every woman listening to this has said it or thought it or been like, why can't I? Which is the phrase, yeah. I just want to drink like a normal person, right? Yeah. yeah. And so what did you what did you say to me about that? This episode is brought to you by BetterHelp. I don't know about you, but I cannot believe how fast this year is flying by. We're all busy, but one of the most important things you can do to make sure you're on the right path is to carve out some time to celebrate your victories and to notice what you've wanted to change but haven't been able to yet. Whether you're navigating sobriety, setting boundaries, or striving to be the best version of yourself, 
therapy can be a game changer. Therapy is for anyone looking for growth and support. And if you're considering it, why not give BetterHelp a try? It's convenient, it's flexible, and it's entirely online. So take a moment for yourself and visit betterhelp.com forward slash someday to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P.com slash someday. I mean, I, I am coming to find in the, because I have the Sober Mom Life Facebook group, I've talked to moms on my podcast, and I, I'm just coming to find that this normal drinker seems to be the one who has questioned her relationship with alcohol, who has drank too much, who has felt shame about it, who has tried to maybe take a break, who has done a dry January, who has just has this really complicated relationship with alcohol. I, I, I don't think a normal drinker is one who has a glass of wine at night and says goodnight and then that's it. Yeah. Like consistently all the time. Yeah. I, I think, I, I think that, you know, I always tell women when I'm coaching them, they're like, I just want to be a normal drinker. You know, I went out to dinner with these people. They had two glasses of wine and I'm like, you have no idea what their relationship yes. with alcohol is because from where I sit, talking to thousands of women, most of those women who have two glasses of wine probably worry about their drinking. Maybe they had a glass before they went out. Maybe they're going to go home and open a bottle of wine. Maybe they're worried about it. Like very few women don't think about alcohol at all if they drink at all. Yeah. Right. And and maybe they are ashamed because they had planned on having none. And, you know, they're, they're, just steeped in their own shame that they're not talking about. And so it's this, I I think this idea of normal in any scenario can be really dangerous because what the fuck is normal? Like I, but if you're going to talk about like typical and like what most women, how most women drink from what I've seen and the stories that I keep hearing, that seems to be normal and typical is that they are struggling and they have taken breaks and they don't like their relationship with alcohol, but they don't know. They don't know how to change it because it's really hard. So just to summarize, want to, in terms of replacing thoughts in your mind, if you're listening to this, a normal drinker might be a woman who is consuming this addictive substance because it's been taught to us that that's what we should do. It's brought to us at every restaurant you go to, the wine or the the beer or the drinks menu gets brought to you first. You consume it. It's addictive. You have one drink, you want more, you wake up and you feel like garbage and then you're in withdrawal and then you want it again. Like that Mm -hmm. is a normal drinker and that's fucking exhausting. Yes. And you just, it takes a giant leap of faith because you don't know that you can get out of it until you're out of it. And so it's nothing that you can real, like you just don't know what's on the other side of it until you're on the other side of it. And so it's, it's scary to take that leap of faith because you feel like you have to have all the questions answered and you just don't, you don't have to. Yeah. 
I mean, the hardest part is just getting started and not thinking about forever, but instead Ugh. thinking about it like an experiment. Like, yes. you know what? I've been drinking for X number of years. I want to see what 30, 60, 90 days without alcohol feels like. Yeah. Not white knuckling it, but with curiosity. Like, what if instead yes. of drinking, I did a yoga class? What if instead of X, I did Y? You know? Yeah. Yeah. And I think I I like to because I, I see a lot of moms in my Facebook group be like, well, damn it. You know, I, I had 40 days and I drank and now I'm starting at day one. And it's like, man, if we could just reframe that perspective of like a 40 out of 41 days, you chose yourself and you chose your health and you chose something different and something wild and tried to see what it was about. And that's, that is just never going to be a failure. I like to talk about counting firsts rather than counting days. And so what about like your first, you know, New Year's, your first Valentine's Day? Like, what does it look like? You've, chances are you've had, I don't know, 20 of those holidays that you drank. And so like, you kind of know how that goes, right? And so like, what if you just see how one goes without it? Yeah. And yeah. And then that just propels you into it because yeah. you're not, it's, it's going to be really good. Yeah. It's, that yeah. Doesn't mean I always easy, talk about but every it's going to be better. You, yeah. Every time you do something new without drinking, it's going to be uncomfortable, but treat it yes. like an observation. Okay, this mm -hmm. part was awkward. This part was better. Um, this part was difficult. I thought these people would give me trouble, but they didn't. Oh, and by the way, I got home and I was able to pay the babysitter without yeah. worrying that I over or underpaid her way too much. Or uh, like if she saw me drunk and oh like God, what shame goes drunk. into that. <laughs> yeah, like what shame goes into that. Right. It's just I'm like, sure I always overpaid because I was so yeah. like, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. You have to see me this way. <laughs> I know. Oh, my God. I know. It's the shame. Yeah. Yeah. So question for you. One of the things we chatted about was the fact that you were a style influencer before you quit drinking at my kind of suite. You still yeah. are now, but you've seen sort of the the behind the scenes of influencing and how the big brands are capitalizing on their audience of yes. moms struggling during this time period who want to be thinner, prettier, more social back to how they were before kids and using that. Could, tell me about what, yes. you, what it's been like. Oh my God. So I, I think this influencing culture is just a foreign to a lot of people because it's new and, and we don't know how to frame it. And you can easily just replace the word influencing with marketing because yeah. that's all it is. It is it is 100% marketing. Nothing is as you as it seems on Instagram as you're and, and you know, we're, t we're told that and we're taught we're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, except for this mom influencer, because you know, I trust her. I followed her since she was just starting. And we have to realize that these mommy influencers, me included, are brands. Um, we have deadlines, we have contracts, we have campaigns. This is a, a business. They have LLC attached to them. This isn't just, it's not just a, a sweet mom 
who happens to share her day. I have been kind of on a tear against mommy wine culture and some of the big culprits. Um, Molly Sims is one. Oh my God. She kills me. What the fuck? Also, I actually, I followed I her because it was fascinating. And then I had to unfollow her. It's so like, bad. This is like, yeah. I sit and there know, honestly and I'm like, does she have a drinking problem? Okay. Well, here's the thing that I want to say because there is no way she's drinking as much as she's saying she is. Okay. It's a, it's a pitch for her to be relatable and she knows she's going to get likes and she's, you know, she's married to like a multi, multi, multi millionaire. She has a million followers. She's a supermodel. So she's like, how am I going to be relatable? So this is, this is a ploy and a tactic so that she can be relatable. I know it. I see it. I can call it out as soon as I see it. I'm like, I know what you're doing. And, and if you are drinking and like, putting, you know, one of her reels is like she's putting wine in a in a mug and then like taping a tea thing. So it looks like it's a tea bag. So and, and the in the audio is like, no one's going to know. No one's going to know. And I'm like, okay, so here we go. Hi there. If you're listening to this episode and have been trying to take a break from drinking, but keep starting and stopping and starting again, I want to invite you to take a look at my on-demand coaching course, the Sobriety Starter Kit. The Sobriety Starter Kit is an online self-study sober coaching course that will help you quit drinking and build a life you love without alcohol, without white knuckling it or hating the process. The course includes the exact step-by-step coaching framework I work through with my private coaching clients but at a much more affordable price than one-on-one coaching. And the Sobriety Starter Kit is ready, waiting, and available to support you anytime you need it. And when it fits into your schedule, you don't need to work your life around group meetings or classes at a specific day or time. This course is not a 30-day challenge or a one-day-at-a-time approach. Instead, It's a step-by-step formula for changing your relationship with alcohol. The course will help you turn the decision to stop drinking from your worst case scenario to the best decision of your life. You will sleep better and have more energy. You'll look better and feel better. You'll have more patience and less anxiety. And with my approach, you won't feel deprived or isolated in the process. So if you're interested in learning more about all the details, please go to www.sobrietystarterkit.com. You can start at any time, and I would love to see you in the course. If you really are drinking tea, well, drinking wine at your desk, hiding, during the day. Can you also then show how that goes? Because can we have a little truth in influencing here and just a just a follow-up throughout your day? Because it's not what we think it is. It it just it blows my mind. And then so the message that she's sending with these reels and that mommy wine the mommy wine culture and mommy bloggers are sending is wine is 
not only helps motherhood, but it's essential to motherhood. And it's funny. It's and it's funny, and it's funny. It's funny to hide your drinking. Yeah, it's funny to the latest one that I just called out was she, and she was actually my friend on Facebook, and I deleted her before I called her out because I'm like, we can't, I can't, I can't do this anymore. Um, she poured an entire bottle into like a Stanley, you know, one of those like Stanley water bottles. And said, like, this is how all moms are coping with daylight saving time. Oh, my God. Um, so you're telling me that it's it's you're normalizing hiding your drinking, binge drinking, and drinking to cope with motherhood. Yeah. Also, it was her branded wine. Okay. And so I was going to ask, was there, like, a sponsor? She is a branded wine. Yeah, she has a branded wine. Okay. And so, can you tell us who it is just because I'm – Yeah, it's, it's Pure Joy Home. It's Liz okay. Joy. Okay. And so, and she has 30 or I mean, 300,000 plus followers. I mean, she is, she's also like MLM and she's like so bad. Um, But like, don't get it twisted. Yeah. She knew yeah. that this was going to get a lot it's of fun. likes. Do you know there are like a million or two million, I forget, people in a group on Facebook called Mommy Needs Vodka. I oh mean, my God. It's, and it, you know, I, I probably not that I liked vodka, but like when I was deep in yeah. denial, I was deep in mom wine culture. I bought all yes. the books that were like sippy cups are not for Chardonnay and nap time is yeah. the new happy hour. Like I was in hook, line and sinker and I was the person who would have been commenting on that. Like, yeah, say it again, sister, for the people in the back or whatever. Right. It was. Like, and, and the thing is, phase, like, but it's. This is it's how we've been brainwashed, right? Exactly. And and this is what I always I always want to make clear like I do not shame moms who get tricked by marketing that is trying to trick you. No. Like I, I am not I, I I do not judge moms who fall into the the mommy wine culture when that's what it's designed to do. I do though want to hold the moms who are spreading this insidious and and dangerous thing and turning it into an adorable little message, um, I think they should be held accountable because also there is no way that she drank that whole bottle of wine and then went throughout her day and ran her three businesses and took care of her three kids. But there is 100% moms who are following her who are doing that, thinking that she's doing it so it's okay. I have to I mean, say I smiled when you said she put a whole bottle of wine in like that <laughs> that metal yeah. water bottle because I used to do that, but it was for concerts, like which That's somehow right. makes it better. Yeah. And I was like, no, because I would, you know, we were our, in Seattle, the zoo is a big concert venue, but they don't serve alcohol, yeah. which is crazy. Just kidding. Right. And um, <laughs> so I used to pour a bottle of red wine into this metal thing so I could drink it at the concert. Okay, um, but that is different. That's different than this. It's still because, not good because I still well, drank still, a whole bottle. Of wine. Yeah, I mean you did, and that you know, okay, you you paid that for was that the day. next day. We're moving. On. Yeah, exactly. And you were you were at a concert, and that is that's different than a mom telling moms that this is how she's dealing with her kids yes. uh, struggling with daylight saving time. Yeah. When first of all, that's a lie because she's not. That's not how she's dealing with it. She's just trying to, to be relatable and get 
likes and follows. Yes. And she probably has like, a nanny. And that's how she's dealing with it. A thousand percent she has a nanny. Like that's how we – my nanny right now is downstairs with my three-year-old. Otherwise, I would not be able to do this. Like we have help. And that's the whole thing is like let's talk about that yeah. actual help we're getting and the actual help that we have because moms need help. Yeah. I mean – we need help now more than ever. We, we were trying we to be alone, to decompress, to exercise, oh sleep through the night, to not have someone on top of you needing oh, every moment of your don't life. Touch like, me, yeah. And 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 we need we need a safe space to talk about what we went through with the pandemic, the lockdowns, when we were asked to do the impossible, and we did it because we're fucking superheroes. Yeah. But our mental health has paid the price. Mm -hmm. And so we're just expected it. Nope. Keep going. Keep it moving. If you have any feelings, just drink alcohol and that will help. And it's yeah. like, if it helped, I mean, if that really helped moms and if that helped, I'd be like, heck yeah. Yeah. But it no, but I mean, during the pandemic, so drinking among women went up 41% binge drinking among women during the pandemic. Not only that, drinking among parents of kids below the age of five went up 323%. Oh, my God. And here's the scary part. Like, it actually has very real-world implications. Typically, the increase of death related to alcohol every year was increasing by, like, 2 to 5%. During... The, lot, the year of 2020, it went up by 25% year over year. I mean, this shit is scary. And it didn't people, more people, yeah, didn't more people die of alcohol than of COVID yes. in 2020? And the people dying are younger and the people drinking are, you know, not what you would think. Um, they are high socioeconomic, high uh, academic achievement, and older women. So Gen X and baby boomers are really heavy drinkers, but where they get into that is the mom wine culture. Yes. One thing I wanted to mention is, so I live in Washington state. My favorite winery is three miles from me. My old favorite winery. Yeah. Stopped drinking seven years ago, but um, it's called Chateau Saint-Michel. It's a very big one in Washington. And their big tasting room is right up the road for me, probably why I moved here right. <laughs> 10 years ago. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But I have a good friend. I was in marketing. She was in advertising. She worked for them through an agency and said that every year they would present a 100-page deck to Chateau Saint-Michel about the wine mom culture, influencers, celebrities, how to influence the new young moms to get them to mm. drink their wine specifically. Ugh. It's uh, it's so hard to hear, but of course, right? Yeah. Because it, there's so much money. I mean, big alcohol needs more. They need more drinkers that, because white men, old white men are dying of, but um, yeah, they, they, they need more, more people and moms. I mean, we're the perfect target. Moms are the, the perfect target, right? Yeah. They are the ones who do the shopping, they make the household spending decisions, and they need help. And so if you're and, told yeah, exactly. that wine will help you, and not only will help you, but is funny and cool and will help you bond with your girlfriends and will help you still be romantic 
with your partner and will help dull the noise of your kids screaming um, and is the best reward, but also the only reward that you have time because you don't have time to go on vacation. It's it's sort of an easy sell and then it's addictive, right? So yeah. add that to then you need it and you want it and you want it more often. And, you know, when you said, I don't shame anyone who's part of mom wine culture, I don't, I completely agree. And I don't shame anyone who drinks a shitload and is either emotionally, habitually, or physically addicted to it because like, yeah, there's nothing wrong with you. The substance is working as designed. Literally, that's what it's meant to do. Yeah. And and this idea, I I think that we think that wine is somehow different. Oh, God. Yeah. It's classier. And it's, it's, it's Chateau Saint Michel. Like it's, it's, oh, but, and and I only like their Syrah. So I'm very picky. Oh, right. The fact that my husband was like, why don't you join their wine club so you don't have to get a couple bottles of wine a couple times a week? Right. So, yeah, but like wa- wine is ethanol. Like that's it's yeah. it's not it's it's vodka. It's it's the same damn thing. I know and we it, somehow feel like wine is like more innocuous than any other alcohol. Yeah, like it that it maybe could be heart healthy and it's fancy and and you know like all of the shit. And I'm like, you guys, it's such a lie. It's all marketing. You know what I love? I actually follow because I'm a I'm a bit of a nerd, but I follow all the like you know, alcohol company, lobbyist, wine, you know, market share details. And like they put out a report to the wine association, like basically it was like, oh shit, people are starting to believe this product is bad for you and causes cancer. So what are we going to do about it? And it's like, yeah, because it's bad for you. It causes cancer, you know? Yeah. They're like, ooh, what's our next move? Okay. What's our how next are we gonna, line? How yeah. do we just How are we going to rebrand this? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Well, we're going to make it organic. That's what we'll do. Oh, my God. Clean wine. I can't. I can't with you. Oh, God, I hate it. That was the – the so I was hired by Kettle, Kettle One Botanicals because it was like, well, that's like the girly – that's a cute yeah. vodka, you know? And I – this was when I first started to monetize on my kind of suite. And this was probably 2016, I want to say. Um, and I was like, you'll give me what? Okay, yeah, I'll post. And I posted and I followed all the guidelines. They have all these things you have to say. And I did it. And then I dumped it right down the drain. Because I was like, well, I, I, don't do, I don't drink vodka. But it's like, that's the trick right there. Like you would think that it was so, you know, I was outside by my pool and it was Kettle One Botanicals and it was all like pretty and cute and so, it was so innocent. I yeah. was like, no, that's, yeah. yeah, it's a lie. Well, so sober mom life, it's not easy, but it's good, right? I mean, there's so many benefits to just not navigating life with a headache and a hangover and a mm. fuzzy memory. But like, what have you found? Because, you know, when I quit drinking, 90% of my life stayed the same, meaning the same job, same husband, same kids, same friends. And mm-hmm. yet, my anxiety decreased and my ability to cope with my life without feeling like it was all just unsustainable got better. I started running. I became just happier, but it wasn't easy. It was just easier. What have you experienced 
in like if someone's out there and being like, yeah, I drink too much, but it's my favorite thing. Is it worth it? Yes, I, uh, I, I think. Oh, man, y- you won't know it's worth it until you're you're on this side of it. And so so you you can't know that yet. But I can tell you from this side of it that the word forever when it comes to sobriety does not scare me. Like what would scare me is if someone said you have to start drinking again. Mm-hmm. And I would say, but I don't want to miss all this. Like I, I, I don't want to miss this. As, as a 42-year-old, time for me, time in motherhood is the most precious thing. It's what it's what wakes me up in the middle of the night, this, this idea that time is passing by so quickly and how can I slow it down? And sobriety is the closest thing I've come to be able to just slow everything down. And that doesn't mean that I love all of the moments. It doesn't mean that all of the moments are easy. Um, but it means that I'm here for them and that I'm present to see my kids just discover life and live and they can count on me. And also, I think my favorite part of sobriety um, for me has been being able to count on myself. You know, and I wasn't drinking a crazy, crazy amount, whatever that is in motherhood, but there's still, it chipped away at me when I said, I'm just going to have one glass. And then I had three. There was a chipping away at my like, just my soul and my being of not being able to show up for myself and to count on myself. And now the fact that I can I can count on myself. I can believe in what I'm feeling. I can listen to myself when I know what I need and my gut is telling me what to do. Um, and all, all of that stuff is, is hard. Um, but God, it's not as hard as, as trying to control a highly addictive toxin and then feeling the effects from it. Like there's just nothing is harder than that. Yeah. I think that's a perfect place to end this. Will you tell everyone how they can find you and listen to the Sober Mama Life podcast and all the good stuff? Yeah. So come and find us wherever you listen to podcasts. It's the Sober Mom Life podcast. We have, we just launched, launched a Patreon where we get like bonus episodes. And I just kind of check in with these 50 minute episodes. My mom's a therapist. And so we talk with her and she tells us all about mental health and teaches us stuff. Um, also the Sober Mom Life Facebook group is my favorite place on the internet. It's where it's the most supportive group of, of women. And, uh, we all throughout the day, people are posting and asking questions and supporting and just so much community. And then the Sober Mom Life on Instagram too. You can see me, uh, I don't dance, but I do, uh, <laughs> I do share a lot of reels over there. Yeah. And I follow you on my kind of suite on and Instagram my kind too. Of and I'm always like, damn, I want to look as put together as she does and all her. Oh. oh, no, you have to know what goes on behind the scenes. It's a shit show. <laughs> there you go. Well, thank you so much. It's been thank such a you, pleasure getting you. to know you and hanging out. You too. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Hello Someday podcast. If you're interested in learning more about me, the work I do, and access free resources and guides to help you build a life you love without alcohol, 
please visit hellosomedaycoaching.com. And I would be so grateful if you would take a few minutes to rate and review this podcast so that more women can find it and join the conversation about drinking less and living more. I'm Madeline, and I'm the host of the Happiest Sober Podcast. I got sober in my 20s after a decade of gray area drinking, and the greatest plot twist of all time was realizing that alcohol, the thing that I thought made my life the most happy and fun and exciting, was actually the exact thing preventing me from living my happiest and best life. My mom is 40 years sober, and she joins me on my podcast very often. I like to call her my part-time co-host, and I also bring you solo episodes where I share my top tips, tricks, and mindset shifts in sobriety, and lots of how to's for navigating all the things sober from weddings to parties to holidays to bachelorette parties to trips. I'm also joined by so many guests who come on and share their sober stories and they're all so, so inspiring. I'm here to show you that life doesn't end when you quit drinking. In fact, it's very much the opposite. And no matter what your relationship was with alcohol, life can be the absolute happiest when you're sober. New episodes come out every Tuesday. You can listen to Happiest Sober Podcast wherever you get your podcasts.